your business can be 100 years old. You're never going to arrive. And that's the beauty of it. And running and developing and establishing a business, just because you've been successful in, in year 2025, that doesn't necessarily mean you've arrived and, and you're going to carry. You have to do some things to mitigate that. So those businesses that, that have length, that have a, a lot of time and have really established themselves in the, in the industry, it's even that much more impressive. That's one of the challenges that we're always going to going to have in front of us going forward, right? Is that we're never going to have arrived to the platform and, and this is who we are. Welcome to episode 122 of the AFT Construction Podcast. And today we have Casey Cloward with Raycon Construction. And Casey, a little background, he and I were actually in college together. So we've been friends for many years, colleagues. Uh, he went out to Florida, out of college. I went to Arizona, and then he ended up moving back to Utah to start his company, Raycon, back in 2008. And it's an amazing journey. But what I really love is he spoke about how to build that brand, how to be personal, and really create the value. And, and a couple of things he shared was, when you're meeting with a client, you know, the clients to really understand you, right, as a contractor, as a designer, as an architect, and want to invest in you, and they want to do things that you can market, right? That's that collaboration. That's that synergy we're looking for. And we go into the Parade of Homes. The Parade of Homes in Utah is unique to any Parade of Homes in the country. And what he's done to leverage that and the logistics and the complication that goes with the Parade of Homes, but so much valuable information from Casey. And that's why this episode's a little bit longer and just so much good content that he shared. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. And today we have one of my fellow alumni, good buddies for a long time, took advantage of me playing paintball a couple of weeks ago, Mr. Casey Cloward. So welcome, Casey. <laughs> hey, anytime I can take advantage of, uh, of shooting somebody and giving them a paintball <laughs> welt, that's a, that's a good time. <laughs> well, truth be told, it's my first time paintballing. and. Uh, you had a couple of good shots on me, so uh, I don't appreciate that, by the way. It almost made me yeah. rethink, you know, having you on today. <laughs> well, I'm glad that uh, it worked out. So Yeah, so Casey is owner and founder of Raycon Construction in Utah, and they do some amazing projects. And uh, we'll dive into this a little bit later in the conversation, but this past summer, I was finally get up there and, and, and able to tour some of your homes on the Parade of Homes and, uh, you know, been following you, we've been good friends and... Uh, colleagues for a long time. And I know that thankful to Pella, you know, who I know you use a lot of Pella and they, they had us out paintballing over the holiday and you were down here with your son's baseball tournament. So that was fun. Um, but as we dive into this, Casey, cause you have a ton of experience, you know, I've admired your business, you know, your strategy, you know, I've seen you grow. I've seen, you know, the systems you've put in place, but before we get into that, I think one of the biggest challenges that many of us have with our clients is like, you know, setting those expectations. When we work with the client for the first time, it can be tough, especially if the clients are going through their first build. So based on your experience, because you work with a wide array of clients, you know, what is the challenge typically when a client is going through the process for the first time? Well, and, and that's just it. Sometimes when we're in the conversations up early on up front, is that's one of the first questions I have for my potential clients is, have you gone through this process before? Because um, you naturally will treat them differently from one uh, from one aspect of the of the design and, and just the pre-construction process versus you know if they've if they've done it before or if they haven't and so um, one of the one of the key um, and I I don't determine you know because they've done it before or they haven't done it before that doesn't determine if they're a good fit for our systems or whatnot it's just kind of a, a different approach on 
on how to do it because they've established their uh, mindset uh, accordingly. I actually embrace the opportunity if the, for those who have not done it. Um, it gives you, it opens up a challenge of of saying, "Hey, um, this is how it's going to be," and and um, and and you kind of lay out the picture and 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 put your processes and systems in place to where to where it comes together. But for those who have already done it before, it, it, it you you kind of can get an understanding of where their experience came from and and based off of there. And so there's a lot of uh, a lot of benefit for really understanding your client from the very beginning, rather than just diving into what your process and system is going to be versus how you're going to adapt um, to that current situation and and really target their experience overall. So I'll let you think on this because one question I have for you, you know, when, when you're working with a client that's never been through the building process and it can be a very emotional process, you know, it's, it's lengthy, you know, the time is longer than I think most people realize, you know, getting through pre-construction design permit and then the build, of course, even prolonged now because of circumstances in the industry and inflation and supply chain. But, you know, think of some examples, like as you're setting those expectations, I can think of one. So even, even something really small, like in the beginning, Arizona has really unique uh, lien laws, right? And what that means is that on the commercial side, you know, when, when a commercial project's happening, you know, subcontractors, suppliers, they can lien a commercial property, right? On the residential side, it's typically only the general contractor can. And so when we start a project, we have to file with the state, you know, that we're working with the client. Here's the contract amount. Here's the scope of work. Here's what we're doing. And so it's like a pre-lien, just a notification. We're working together, you know, if you're my client, Casey. And, mm-hmm. and so when I think of, you know, working with a first-time client, you know, my my office will send that pre-lien notice. You know, they get notified that we're working with them. And so the client always calls me and they're like, Brad, what's the deal? Like, why are we starting a relationship off this way? Like, you're leaning my house already. We're just starting. I'm like, no, this is like nothing to do with uh, any legal things. It's just, you know, for us as a contractor to protect our rights, notify the state that we're working with you. And just like you have the rights too with the ROC, the Registrar of Contractors, and so for me, I have to like make these notes like in a little database where it's like, okay, here, here's some things that tend to come up with a first-time client and to make sure that here's the expectations I'm going to set. And I had a client that reached out that we were meeting in pre-construction and they looked at me across the table and they said, hey, Brad, you make this sound like, you know, pretty feasible, you know, as we walk through the schedule and timeline, you know, but, but where, where do things kind of fall off? Like, where's the challenge, you know? And, and it made me think that, there's a lot of challenges throughout the building process. I know one in particular, and maybe this is the roller coaster of building, is as you get into that finish stage when you're painting, like we paint towards the end. So as you're painting and putting in wood flooring and doing trim and punch, you know, that's kind of the chaotic part of the house. And that's when the clients are like, there's no way this house is going to finish. And we're, you know, I, I see our clients really get frustrated. You know, it's the very bottom of that emotional roller coaster. And so from your side, what are some things that you do talk about in that sales process as you're seeing now, Casey, to say, hey, here's the expectation just so we're on the same page moving forward? Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, in, and you said it, setting that expectation early on. Um, I think that's a little bit of how I um, discern whether we're, we're in the same, in the same uh, market or, or if we're the right fit or or everything going forward so um a lot of it's frankly going to be uh, depending on the on the price point and and the the, the budgeting of of what their expectations are going to be going into a project versus what we're producing you know time after time to to carry it together so um just 
understanding the um, what their target uh, budget would be or timeline would be or uh, finishing expectations might be that is that's probably I would consider this um, one of my as the as the home so my role is is um, I'm the owner of the company but I'm also in charge of the sales side of things and so I'm 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 trying to find the, the the right fit. So I would consider that as being one of the highest um, needs and demands of my time and effort going into my business is finding the right client um, right from the right from the very beginning. And so it's it, you know because I mean you said it just just as much as it is that that relationship is such a long drawn out process to where you know, pre-construction can go anywhere from six months to two years to whatever that time is, your build process another year or more, two years or whatever it's going to be. And then you, but then after that, you still have your warranty period. And then you're, I do, I do a uh, property maintenance program within my business as well, carrying it on. So this is a long-term commitment, as you can imagine. And so who do we want to get, um, who do we want to get started with is something where I am uh, heavily focused on. So some of those some of those uh, expectation settings are things simple enough as um, putting some parameters on time, um, on our time, on our individual time. So um, during my sit down my, for pre-construction, we'll take and 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 have a definition of saying, "Hey, our business hours are and when we're going to be readily available and and happy to take your phone call or or whatever are going to be from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m." and um, those are those are free and and willing hours. Um, naturally, we're going to be taking time after uh, calls and weekends, and, and that just happens in construction, right? But if if I don't have that that conversation or, or I don't set that expectation in that early on, then that window is always open, and so that's when I start to um, get those phone calls or or you know have have that uh, uh, pain point that that is sometimes cumbersome or sometimes not. It just kind of depends as long as the discussion is made. So I, I have a list of, um, of things like that, that we, um, that we try to establish to, to saying, hey, this is what you can expect from us. And this is how we're going to be going forward and, and, and whatnot. So stuff as simple as, you know, the communication lines, um, going into how we do our draws and budgets and, and, and stuff like that um, is, I think, equally as important to um, help them uh, become familiar with with that process. And frankly, during those conversations, you can you can sense if there's some uneasiness um, within that conversation or not. And and from there, you're going to start to um, determine if, if it's the right fit or not. I love that you shared that out and we'll get into this in a minute as you talked about, you know, even your process, right? As, as much as it comes down into, uh, budgets, you know, billing draws, uh, you know, items such as that. But, you know, you, you said this early on, you talked about pricing and I think what's really hard as a contractor, I mean, there's so many variables. It's one thing if, Hey, Casey, you have a finished lot that you're selling at X a foot and competitor down the street has their finished house. You know, a client could walk through, you could talk about upgrades, and it may justify the difference in square footage costs, right? But everything's on paper. And what's unique is, as you look at the car industry, you don't have clients that come in and say, hey, I could buy this car for this much a square foot, right? Like this, this four-car 
sedan, you know, I can get this Toyota Corolla, I can get this BMW or Mercedes or this McLaren or whatever it is. I'm, most McLarens probably don't have four doors, but you know what I mean? It's like the, the discrepancy is so big, it's so vast, and no one's looking at this like a square footage for a car, even though it's the yeah. same size car and it's performing, you know, to some extent the same for, for the client. But there is a huge difference, right? In quality, reputation, uh, you know, parts that go in, craftsmanship, you know, all those things are important. It's really hard to do that as a builder. So someone may come in and say, hey, KCA, what's your price per square foot? And it, it's such a vague answer. You really can't justify that. I mean, there's so many justifications to pricing, right? Is it hillside? Is it flat lot? Is there HOA? Are there work hour constraints? You know, and I always say, mm-hmm. I've said on the podcast before, it's like, well, what does it cost for a bag of groceries? I mean, we're, you know, what's the point? So, so how do you direct the client when they come in and say, hey, Casey, I want to be at this much a square foot. Are you going through a database saying, well, based on the style you want, based on the aesthetic, based on the size of the home, well, here's one we've built and it was roughly this. I mean, at least so they can see visually, here's a data point without just looking on paper. Yeah. Um, I think that at least with my um, perspective clients, they've either, they've done enough research and due diligence to even make that phone call to me, whether it be through, um, they've seen our social media platform, they've seen our, our parade homes, they've seen our work ar- around, they've been referred to us from a number of, um, so they're familiar with our products. Um, I think that what's important for me from the very beginning is say, hey, our, our beginning price per square foot, which would include the construction costs, not the lot um, or the landscaping, because that's that's one of the point that you that you bring up is is it a hillside lot is there a flat lot is are there a lot of retaining uh, elements that come into play or if we're doing a pool or not or there's a lot of elements there but if i can if i can consolidate that conversation point to just the size of the living livable square footage of the house and then educate them and say on a home that you've seen whether it be a picture or whether it be one that you've walked through we were at X per square foot. Um, so, and that is gonna be kind of our base point. Um, like for, for example, in, in, in our industry, in my market, um, uh, and this isn't relevant to your market or many markets in the, around the country, but um, our, if our starting point is $350 a square foot, um, but we also have projects that are going for $650 per square foot, I think our clients want to understand what the difference is, but right. I also think that the 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 initial the starting point where they've seen our product and they've seen where we're going to be starting at, and in their mind they're doing the math. Well, I want a seven thousand square foot house at three hundred square foot. That we're we're getting into numbers that don't that don't fit. You know, I still got to go buy a million dollar lot. I got to put it. You know. 500 grand in the landscaping, you know, there, there's different aspects that come into the play. And so I just, I'm, I'm frankly, um, I found to be, to bring that up early in conversation. And so neither side is wasting their, comp- their time. Um, they're busy. I'm busy. We're, we just don't, there's no room. If, if the budget number target targeted is not going to be a fit, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, like center our whole discussion and relationship based on that target number. But the reality of it is if we're not going to be there, then, then let's, let's not, let's, let's go away. So that's kind of the first, um, 
I guess, breakthrough is if we can get through an, an understanding and saying, hey, yeah, well, actually, I can I can go to 400 square foot and I'm, I'm still in a, in a comfortable position that that's just that just kind of uh, presses there. And I don't know if that's a similar uh, process that you go through or, or, or fellow builders or whatnot, but I actually find myself um, uh, having that conversation sooner rather than later um, for for both. Uh, parties, I think it's a it's a benefit. Yeah, I love that, Casey. And honestly, we're exactly the same. I mean, even though depending on the project, I mean, square footages could be different in markets, you know. But essentially, it's the same conversation that we have. It, it it's not a minimum, but at least there's a price point realistically to build a home, right? It it's just mm -hmm. to do it right, you know, whether it be yep. waterproofing, whether it be foundationally, you know, mechanical design as well as finishes, like there. You know, there, there's some level where you've built your brand, Casey. That hey, this is really where most of our clients they're they're in this yep. range, right? And yep. so they can't be half of that. I mean, that's just not realistic that you can perform and do a good job and keep your reputation and warranty and, and your services you provide. But so at some point you do have to gauge them and say, look, this is really where we're at. And if, yeah, if we have that conversation, it's easy to vet out because the cat and mouse game, this is why I think it's really important that builders, you know, look, look at developing that relationship early with the client, you know, and getting on early on board, whether it's a first time built home, homeowner that's built for the first time or they've been through many you know, having a good builder that they can trust and you can build this relationship is key because now you can be open and transparent in your budget. Say, hey, Casey, I want you to build my house. Realistically, you know, I have X dollars. Let's just, for easy math, just say we have $2 million to build a home. Okay, well, at least we understand what the goal is and now we have to design around that budget, you know? And if we're doing a, you know, 4,000 square foot house and, you know, you're like, yeah, we can do that. We can, we can build a great home. There's no cat and mouse game, right? Because the challenge is you're very similar to me. You do cost plus transparent, mm -hmm. very laid out, very itemized. And so it, there's, there's, I don't want to say there's funny business. It's not like most, con most of those contracts are trying to do a great job. It's just, you know, being able to lay that out and be transparent with our client. Well, now that's going to really enable, if we're on the same starting point budget-wise, now we can accomplish to the end. And we try to be as accurate as we can. I know it's a little tough right now with lumber prices that fluctuate, steel, you know, PVC, copper. I mean, these things are moving, concrete, and so we, we, we have a database and we do have to itemize that to some point. So, you know, how often do you get into, you know, that preliminary budget? They may say, hey, Casey, we want to be at 500 a foot, which is realistic in your market. But, hey, through that year design, now it's time to hard price. Now we're off a little bit because, you know, a year ago, yeah, 2020 is no problem. We're in 2022 now. The market's a little bit different. You know, how do you address that difficult conversation? You know, um, one of the uh, key lessons that I that I learned um, from one of my mentors is, is is a way that to get an understanding that you're working with a client who's um, that they have some budget set aside for this, and and I think you'll find this these higher end builders uh, that that we are um, we there's that there's that uh, stigma that you know the house is the most um, I guess the biggest expense of, of a lifetime for, for at least the, the clients and stuff like that. But the reality of it is, is a lot of, a lot of the clients that I work with anymore, um, it's not. Um, and so it, it turns into a situation where it is a transactional, um, I guess, phase of their life to where, um, uh, they're putting this, this big investment or this big, um, you know, it, it is a portfolio member for the, for their, financial. Uh, and so, um, 
I think that they do understand the way our clients aren't naive enough to know that, look, we're dealing with lumber issues. We're dealing with, with supply chain ch challenges and, and price increases all the way across the board. Um, as long as we're being uh, upfront with them and transparent in a way, and, and that trust factor is, is built, I don't think that that conversation has to be as, as hard and difficult um, as, as one may perceive that it is, if that makes sense. Um, again, work with the right client, um, set expectations and kind of standard and, and create that, that, that trust platform that, that you're starting from the very beginning on to where as these um, challenges and this, this bad information that has to be given um, comes about, hopefully we're in a position to where we've earned a, a, the trust from our clients, knowing that we're not trying to gouge the situation. We're just we're we're being mindful and not careless with the finances and and uh, and relaying that forward. So it's a timing thing. There's one there's one phase of if we're doing it during the process of construction, we find out that hey, our um, roofing package has increased another forty thousand dollars because of whatever cost. Um, that's just a conversation that we have during construction. If it's a if it's during pre-construction phase, uh, and I've been in through the right right through this. Uh, Current experience. Um, I had a, a client of mine who contracted me out in 2018 uh, for whatever reason, businesses or, or whatever. They didn't. They weren't in a position to, you know, uh, start really until 2000 and uh, almost the fall of 2020-ish. And so I'm building at a completely different market. Right. The challenge that I had with that specific. Um, homeowner and client is, is their budget didn't change. They still had the certain amount of budget. And so what we had to do is collaborate with them and we do it as a team aspect. And frankly, we just had to scale down our, our finishes, which is not what I wanted to make them do. Um, nor, nor did they want to do, but the reality of it is, is their budget was what, what it was back then. And it didn't necessarily change just because the times changed of when we built and it was just an unfortunate situation, but we work through it together. Um, you know, we're all in this together. And I, and I established that from the very beginning is that, hey, um, we're on your side. And that's the beauty that I feel like as a contractor with a cost plus agreement. I feel like our clients get a grasp and a feel that we're on the same team. We're getting them the most for their money. Whereas if we get into these hard bid contracts and, and such like that, and we start to see ourselves going over budget, there's there might be an area and this deals with integrity and, and whatnot of a of the type of contract you're working with but this gets in the area of hey i can cut this corner and save myself a little bit of money to uh, and ultimately end at that final number but that's just not the way i build and that's not the way i want to build i just want to i'd rather have that hard conversation and explain the the way that the house should be built and it's going to cost this amount of money according to I love that mentality you give and, and that comfort to the client, Casey, because essentially, you know, you're you're a good steward, right, of their investment and what they're doing. And you mentioned that. And and you've built this expectation from the very beginning and rapport that, hey, we're on your team. Like, we want to make this successful. And so what ends up happening for the client, and we've seen this both ways as well, especially in this last year, you know, for us, I most of our projects are not designed and completed in a year as far as pre-construction, right? Especially permits are taking really long in Scottsdale and Phoenix. And so yeah. it's at least a year, which fluctuates everything. And so we've had two clients. One, 
that they're on the same page as this 2018 client for you, where it's like, hey, we're way over budget. This is not going to work. You know, maybe we've had challenges of COVID or whatever. So we got to scale back. We've got to delete things, substitute finishes, VE, right value engineer. And we have other clients that say, look, Brad, at the end of the day, yes, I, I may invest more out of pocket. My payment may be more, but what am I doing? Like, this is where I want to be. This is what I want. And I'm willing to bite the bull because at the end of the day, this much more a month is not a huge deal and I want what I want, right? But in either scenario, they know Casey or AFT, you know, that you're on my team. Like you're working in our behalf. You're trying to maximize our dollar. You're trying to find value. And, and, and I think that's the biggest thing is trying to understand how to communicate that with the client. And, you know, I love that you do that. I know you well enough, Casey, that I know that's your, been your mantra and that's your personality because I know we've talked many times offline. And, and, and you mentioned this, what, what I think is really unique for you and your market is this parade of homes. And I love that because I feel like it gives you a unique advantage. For me, it's very rare, you know, until the end of a project that I have a window there where the home is very presentable to the public, you know, and all my projects are build a suit. I'm not doing specs. I'm not, you know, so everything is a customer built. And so I do have to be careful depending on the client, but they will allow that window where I could bring, you know, future clients or people through at that, you know, to tour the home and see the quality, see the finished product. But you actually get a window like every June where you get to bring a, a ton of people so they get to see Raycon. And I know I went up there and everyone has this reputation of, or, uh, you know, the reputation you've built and the perspective that anyone has in the public of Raycon. They've seen your homes, like they're amazing homes, great quality, and they're unique. And so speak about what the parade of homes is and really that, how that's benefited your business, especially as a new business owner. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> The parade of homes is, it, I can't speak highly enough of the parade just because of what it's done for me and my business and how it's um, um, just allowed me to get out there and, and form um, the brand and, and just be present and, and be, be out there. Um, from what, the, what we have, and, and maybe I'm just so spoiled because um, this, the system and everything was established before I became a builder. Um, they've, they've been doing the parade of homes here in the Valley for for I think 40 years or something like that. something that, that's ridiculous. And, and so um, this is not a new, new theme. However, when I was young and frankly, when I would be, when I was a kid and um, they'd have these, these parade of homes and, and me to get an understanding of what it does. But what I did was I'm a son of a, I'm actually a grandson of a builder and a, a son of a, of a builder. And so I've always been in the construction industry, but I've always put those, those parade of homes builders um, at a different platform, um, I, whether they were better builders in the industry or not, they, I just in my mind put the the public view right um, was putting them as a as as a better uh, one of the better builders in the in the area. Um, and so, interesting enough, as as life went along and my career went happened and and I started the, my my business, um, I started to put that as one of my goals um, in in getting a a home into the parade of homes. And um, since that started, which uh, my, my first entry in the parade of homes was 2012. And um, so since that has started, um, it's, it's been, it's the exposure and the, the, the just the, the overall presence is irreplaceable. You can't get, there's no better way. And you know, this to get, to market yourself, market your business, market your services, than to have a potential client or the, the public 
come through and touch and feel inside of the structure. Because there's a different perspective of the pretty pictures and the mm-hmm. the even the Matterport views, you know, walking through 3D. It's it's just different. You walk through and you can get the volume of the space and the, you know, the 10 foot ceilings in the basement that not everybody does, but you know, most people anyway. So the touchy feely um, marketing that the Parade of Homes offers is invaluable uh, because you're right. When we build the non Parade Homes to have that open house, it's it doesn't have the same. Because let's just say you you do an open house. Well, it's probably going to be prior to the homeowner um, having their full home staged. So furnishings, beds, you know couches, everything, pictures on the wall, just everything presentable. Um, it may be just just the construction before they start to move their belongings in, which is still valuable, but the house feels different, right? And so that's what the parade offers uh, us as builders here um, is, is that opportunity to open the doors with a, a client who is up and willing. And, and it's just a real fortunate um, uh, setting that I that I get to market and and produce the building. Does it cost money for for me as a business? Absolutely, but it it returns itself hundredfold. I mean, it's 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 even it's hard to even quantify that. But the credibility factor of of being a kind of what I mentioned before a parade builder. Um, if as long as I can, it's kind of like keeping yourself relevant um, in in the market that we have now. Um, it's interesting because a lot of builders, uh, highly successful custom builders in the in the valley, they kind of, it's it's, I don't know, maybe it's just me on the back end. It's kind of a um, a phase into your career, your development, your business. The higher end that you get to the, it's almost like some builders will get past the parade of homes, like they're, I don't know, better than the parade is the right word or. Frankly, I just don't want to deal with the the challenges that it creates. But um, but if the the exposure that I that I find in in being in the parade year in and year out and and being relevant to to meeting face to face potential clients who are who are now putting a brand to a face to the product, it's just a it's just a, a collaboration factor. And what I've seen great value in. Anymore, I, I do take pride in the the salesmanship of of myself and and naturally I'm the face of, of being the owner of my company. However, um, I'm not. I don't sit anymore. I don't. I used to be there every minute of every day that the parade was open for. It's a two week. It's it's a three weekend and two week. It's like we're like open for thirteen days of, wow. of this of this phase. And I've and I was there for every at the beginning. I was there for everything. I've changed my um, my sales model, if you structure. will. Structure, yeah, yeah, and I've and I've let my project managers sit in in the, those homes, let the public um, interact with them. It, I think, it gives value of um, their development, the the the, the uh, their presentation to the to the potential client or, or the salesmanship of that, uh, but it also uh, frees up an opportunity for different types of questions to be asked um, to project managers rather than the, the business owner that, uh, that it might be. So uh, some of my best uh, projects that, that we've ended up building have been from the initial contact being with my project managers, not necessarily with me. 
Um, and that's very rewarding in itself. As you're building a, a company and a brand, it's very, very rewarding not to have to be in every aspect of the sales position because they're buying not necessarily Casey Cloward anymore. They're buying the, this is, this is what I want. I want that, whatever that is, and, and we'll tie it to Raycon Construction because that's the brand that that is portraying. Um, that's, that's almost as rewarding as, as handing over a, a, you know, a beautiful home to a, a client that we've been working with for years. Now we're super excited. Welcome one of our new sponsors to the podcast, Pella Windows. And this is even more exciting because we use Pella in so many of our projects, nearly all of them. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And now let's get back into the episode. For those that aren't familiar with the Parade of Homes in mm -hmm. Utah, that's really unique. I, th I think nationally, there's not really a market that has the prestige, the attendance that Utah does. So what, what is the parade for those listening? Can anyone attend? Like, What does it consist of? Great question. Great question. Yeah. And you're right. There's nothing, um, you know, our executive officer of the Home Builders Association that we're involved with that puts this all together. Um, they tour and understand the, the, the NHB, the National Association of Home Builders. Um, there's, there's not, it's hard to replay or say that, that there's a lot of similarities there within Utah. There's, there's some similarities, but, um, actually, and I'll, I'll, I'll put a, a plug in here. When I was the president of the Utah Valley Home Builders Association in 2018, uh, that year we were um, voted to be in the the, the best uh, parade of home experience um, that any association in the whole country uh, put on. So again, my my uh, um, my involvement into this great program is is fantastic. But um, what it is 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 the home we. We as home builders will um, uh, apply our homes to being selected to be into this this parade of homes, and the parade varies in from region to region. But ours um, has gone up to forty homes, um, and as low as well, um, you know, in, in previous years. But usually, we we stem around twenty five to even up to forty homes in the last five, six, ten years. Um, and so, I think this upcoming two thousand twenty. Two, we're going to have 28 homes um, uh, being showcased. Uh, we enter in that that application, um, and upon approval, um, 
we have to have the the timeline and the schedule, everything committed to to be able to have everything done. Our association doesn't allow the homeowner to live into the home prior to the parade of homes. And it can't be a model home from production builders or whoever might have a model home. So this is going to be a brand new product, something that hasn't seen the market or anything. And and so it's it's new from the very beginning. Um, the the client the the public at that point can purchase tickets um i think twenty dollar tickets or whatever for the for the entry into these let's call it 30 homes um and these are these are this is not a community base it's a it's a region in utah valley um utah county is is kind of where it's where it's ours are spent at and so you buy these tickets and they have the maps we have an app that we follow and we can go and and just enter in the all of the app is is giving you pictures and descriptions and stuff like that. And so a lot of parade goers will go to let's say five homes, uh, some and they'll pick out the best five homes because they only have an afternoon or whatever. Um, some of them will see every single home and and they they love it. And so it's it's a it's turned into a um, a tradition for a lot of families and 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 kids and. You see a lot of moms, uh, moms and their daughters going through these things. They'll, we have, we have, um, you know, from visitors from Arizona, like yourself came, came down. A lot of people from Idaho come down. There's a lot of people, uh, we have followers from Texas and, and Wisconsin even. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive the amount of attention that, that our parade and frankly, our followers get it. Now uh, we do, we, market it through social media and, and do a good job that way. But um, it's just one of those um, one of those um, events that gets looked forward to. And then once you've been there, the value of going in and seeing the latest and greatest and the, to meet people and the, to tour homes, everybody likes to go through and see these homes, even if they can't afford them um, or they have no interest in buying home or, or building at any, at any time. It's still a, a fun outing and a social event. And, and so it's it's just uh, something fantastic that, that has been established and, and put through. So um, it, I don't know if that gives you a little bit of perspective of what it is, but it's a year a year in and year out we get we grow bigger and bigger. And so uh, we sell right around just under forty thousand tickets. It's probably in the thirty five to forty thousand thousand tickets um, for that period. And then I'll get um, I'm. I'm fortunate enough to be one of the, the higher attended at times. Sometimes it's based on size of home. Sometimes it's based on cost of home or whatever, who gets the most, but the highest amount of visitors um, in that two week pan, span, you'll get around 22 to 25,000 uh, visitors in there. And so again, to get that amount of public into your home um, is something that you can't replace that type of marketing. One of the things that we've done and COVID is, has introduced this is, is they've put a virtual tour out. And so we um, nationally, it, this is something you can buy the ticket and you can tour the home with a 3D Matterport or they have the video and the, and the pictures alike. So they've, they've figured out ways to allow for even those who cannot travel and come into the, to the parade um, there's still ways to even view um, virtually as well. I love that, and and what's really neat, I'll, I'll I'll say for years, you know, I've known a lot of architects and designers, not just in Arizona, but all around the West Coast, you know, and and Western region of the U.S. that go every year. I mean, every June they're in Utah, they're touring the parade, 
And when I went this year to to your project, um, and and a few others, Casey is interested on our fly back. I mean, there had to been thirty people that were just there for the parade that we had met. You know, come back to Arizona, and and as you mentioned, it's just a whole plethora. And I, you know, the value add as you think about, it, I know there's a huge investment from you. There's stress. There's logistics. You know, trying to hit this timeline, but be able to to be able to say you've had twenty five thousand people walk your project, right? I mean, just think of. Um, the bandwidth, the the impressions, and and although the Matterport and the virtual is great, you know, as you said, it's different when you're in there and you're looking and 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 you're seeing firsthand. And you know, fortunately for my wife and I, you gave us the private tour and we got to understand a little bit behind the scenes of some design specific things for the client that was really unique to them and for them personally, which was even more, you know, important that even those touring, you know, may not get. And so, how does that work from a client side? You know, I know it takes a commitment from the client to say, Hey, we're going to have, we're hiring Casey. We're doing the Prey to Homes of Raycon. We're going to have 25,000 people. And, you know, so logistically, you know, architect, uh, designer, furniture, right? Having this done, hitting this timeline, the client approval. I mean, speak to just the challenge. Is it tough to get a client to sign up or is it something that they're like, Hey, we're okay showcasing our home? Yeah. Um, so, because so you've done I've it, and the reason great. I asked that, and, and let me just interrupt here, Casey, because what's amazing is I think you've said you've done this since 2012. So you're going on 10 years straight of a parade. So you've somehow figured out, you've cracked the code to have 10 people commit to you, and then you've figured out how to do the building process, which to me is just amazing because I know what it takes for you to get this done at this time, especially through COVID last year. And I just can't imagine the logistics behind that. Yeah. So funny, funny you say that. And I'm, I'm kind of one of those. Um, Glenn for punishment. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, not embarrassingly enough, but man, I, I've put myself into some pretty tight uh, situations. So you, you said 10. So this is, so if you do the math, so I'm 12, I did 2012. We're coming up on 22. So I've already had 11. My 10. So I'm coming yeah. up on 11 straight 11. years yep. that I, that I've done it. Um, and you said 11. So the funny, the interesting uh, side of that is, for whatever reason, um, you know, it's important for me. It was a good business goal for me from the very beginning to have a parade home and, and stay consistent. So it, I was, um, you know, a young builder. I can, I had a lot of energy or I still have energy. Right. But, <laughs> um, but I, I, I started to make sure I wanted to hit that goal. And so I started to see these projects that I had on my, on my plate and that were potential candidates for parades. I started to offer these, these parade homes. And, um, all, all the sudden, the first, the very first year that I put a parade in, um, I had two homes in the, in the, in the show the next year I had only one, but then the next like seven years, I had two parade oh homes in, in the show. Um, and there's benefit for that. And I think a lot of people speak to the growth and the, the time period of, and you, you yourself has done a, a an amazing job at, at that, but, um, I, I can only give a lot of this credit again to the exposure that I've had during the parade. So um, in 11 years, I will have had 18 parade homes showcased during that, during that span of, of, of parade um, phase. So um, it's, it's, it's tough. It, it's not an easy, the, the hardest thing about it um, is that schedule. And I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a hard, uh, um, it's a challenging um, thing anyway in construction in general to to commit to schedules. And, and But when you have that that time that's not flexible and that you can't explain that, you know, 
there's a product that's been overseas and can't get it. There's you just you you just have to figure it out. So when I get into the discussion anymore of is it going to be a uh, is it a potential project to offer parades and and do I have one lined up or anything like that? It's always it's kind of in the back of my mind as as things get through. Um, some of the value that that the parade um, the sorry the homeowners get from receive from the parade are a couple of there's a couple of uh, pros for that I'll I'll give that so so a salesmanship from a builder to a potential client to now that you're a client this is why a parade might be a good fit for you um number 1 in my conversations anymore the best benefit that you can have is you can plan life because your schedule is going to be completed you're going to your home is going to be completed in June and you're going to be able to move into it after the parade. So you can put your house up for sale. You can you can go on vacation. You can you can plan on having your house done. Where in non-parade situations, I don't know if I can give that assurance that my schedule is going to be as tight as that. Right? right. I mean, I want to, but there's just no um, there's there's just more more um, urgency on a lot of levels. Uh, my and there's back end help. Home build. Yeah, there's back end yeah, help as back, you mentioned. There's yeah. back end help, but there's also uh, on the the back. In the back of your mind as a homeowner, they also have the urgency plugged into their because they bought in on this on this thing. And so they won't drag their feet on the decisions as well. And maybe they'll they'll be a, a more of a value into that. And so I've seen that, right? So that's gonna be my my first um pro to the for the homeowner. Um the next, honestly, there there's brands out there that we are receiving a, a significant discount um for for their um for their services or for their brand exposure or whatever they see the value in having this type of things i mean if wolf sub-zero is coming into my into my into my kitchens and they're seeing they want to hire raycon construction and they they see the that that's what the appliances is that they give a, a hefty discount within that thing and so there's there's give and take there now i will say this and i always say this is those discounts are oftentimes um, spent because my the client has a perspective of maybe going into the lower level, the basement floor, into the girls' bathroom. They'll go and put this very expensive tile or this wall treatment or anything because it would be cool to showcase that during that two-week period of the parade. Where if we're not doing it as a parade home, it might not be worth spending the extra couple thousand bucks on that expensive tile or something like that. So, um, so the sell, the, the, the discounting and stuff like that isn't as easy of a sell as it used to be because I've seen, I have a lot of uh, experience where people tend to spend more price per square foot, if you will, on parade homes for that, ex for that, uh, to show it off, if you will. And so, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I think there's something to be, um, in, in this environment, this, this market that, that I build in, um, it's not showing off or boasting, but, um, but there's something to be said about, um, not shying away from, from your successes and, and, um, and being able to have it, have it, uh, um, showcase. I think that if they see that it's a help and a benefit for me or our brand Raycon construction, um, they'll kind of chip in. Um, they can see the 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 value in in helping us out because that's one of the that's one of the uh, things that we talk about early on on setting expectations is we want we want to find the right partner in in our clients that they want to see us equally as successful like it's not it's not a bad thing that 
that we live in in nice homes or drive nice cars or anything. It's not a bad thing that we're that we're successful as well. Look, you're successful, we're successful, everybody's successful, and and so we bring it apart. So I think that there there's a little bit of a of a plug in on on allowing for our clients to support us as we're as we're venturing out. And so um, so yeah, it, the the salesmanship there. You get into the logistics of the schedule, and that's just look. You, you gotta. There's you, you have to have. Um, you you have to understand what is expected, and those those. Um, honestly, you have to tighten everything up. So your systems and processes to be able to get the work done. It it helps you dial it in. You know you you don't. There's no forgiveness in it. So because we get fined, or if you if you have to pull a house out. You know, it's a pretty big, it's a, it's a black mark on your, on your reputation. And we work too hard for our reputation to be strong. Um, so we figured out it, it oftentimes calls for all nighters and, and, you know, late <laughs> yep. nights and weekends. And, and that, that happens, that happens on a non-parade home as well, but it doubles down and, and you're able to get a little bit more, um, assistance with your trade contractors as well. Cause they've bought in on the, on what the parade home offers as well. So. Yeah. And I know that, as you mentioned, I mean, not just the back end, but you have vendors and suppliers that are really committed too, because they want their products shown yeah. in a great light and a little plug for Pella. I know that, you know, we were just out here for mm -hmm. that, you know, the holidays, yep. but I know that they stepped up and they're, they're helping you out because lead times are really difficult for everybody. Yep. And I know with your timeline and the size of home that you're going to have in the parade this year, that there are some commitments and, you know, pretty neat that they're able to work out and, and, uh, make some things happen and expedite, yeah. which is great. <clears throat> Yeah, and and Brad, I I want to make it clear that I'm one to I understand that um, that these guys can they're you know we'll talk about Pella and 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 Sammy and how how they, that kind of came, come into play. I'm not gonna go to the neck on the next project and beg or ask for a for a favor. Um, I understand. I kind of put it in in the back pocket. I'm loyal to my to my trade base and, and vendors and, and stuff like that. Um, but I'm not going to sit there and ask for favors on every single project because it's it's just not going to happen. I kind of honestly maybe I save them for my parade homes, or maybe I you know maybe there's maybe there's um, some some strategic um, approach on being able to ask for some. Um, some assistance in when you get into a binds like that. And that's, that's any good contractor is going to, going to be able to navigate through that and strategically plan on how to, how to uh, make that a, a success. So. Well, it's interesting. I had Jeff Dungan on just a couple of weeks ago, um, who's just an amazing architect. And he, he spoke a lot about just finding the ideal client, right? Someone that really understands your value. And I love that you were this personal Casey that you shared, you know, having a client that really, it's not a one-way street. When you have a client that sees your value, Casey, they understand the work, the determination, you know, how passionate you are about your business, about the industry. You have a young family, you have young kids, right? You're trying to build, um, you know, a lifestyle and you're building that for your client as well and that they invest in you, right? And when, you're, when you've really hit that, that level, if you will, or you've hit this camaraderie with the client that, hey, they, they see that, I mean, that's really where magic can happen, right? And as you said, hey, yeah, Casey, you know what? You may have this idea to do down in our basement or here, let's do it. We'll, we'll spend a little bit more because we know how this is going to benefit you and your marketing strategy and company and people touring. 
I mean, that is such a value proposition to have a client that really has that mentality. And that's what, going back to the very beginning of our conversation, as you're sitting down and vetting that client, yeah, budget's important, timeline, relationship, you know, we're married to each other for a couple of years, but where they see the value in you and they want this to be a showcase for you, it's unique. And I, and I, and I really love that because I remember, you know, a lot of us deal with trolls, right? Through social media. And there's an experience I had, it was funny on LinkedIn, I was posting this amazing house and it was during COVID and this beautiful house we were doing. And someone wrote on there, they're like, how, you know, you have some goal, right, Brad, that you're posting about these like 1% of millionaires and that they're doing this house, especially in the pandemic. And it was interesting because I actually did a YouTube video on this and I've, I've talked about this before that it's like, are you kidding? Like, it's because of people like this that are willing to go out and invest, right, in themselves. And they've, they've worked hard. They've, you know, this isn't someone that's like a trust fund person. I know this client, they've worked really hard to build this business. They've gone through a lot of down points and here they are to celebrate their success. But because of that, they're employing, I mean, in a house, you're employing thousands and thousands of people and suppliers. And so this is my livelihood. This is my employees and their families. This is our, our trade base and vendors. And so when you have someone that sees that and you see just, you know, the, everything goes downhill and how, how much support it gives and and that's really, I think, what a lot of people miss. And it's not just the Bo Show. It's but they're investing in UKs and they're investing in Raycon and then everyone that is under that umbrella. Yeah, 100%. I, I have a kind of a mindset of, and, and this, is, this is for me as well. And, and I'm, I'm pretty, um, I, would, I would consider myself thrifty for just that mind, mindset of, of staying, staying uh, within, within our boundaries or whatnot. But you know, I, I talk often with with our our clients as they start to get into the design phase and the selections of of these quality finishes and and doing these cool things. Killer, I mean, look, we we have some amazing projects and you do as well. But um, I I just that I I I, sim- I sometimes see them step back and think, you know, is it do I really need to do that or or whatnot? But it's I don't I I I. I push them and say, "Hey, don't apologize for your success. You can you can do this. You this is something that is giving to your family and and you've 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 come from an area and and whatever. I mean, however this money came to your you're successful. That's okay. That like don't don't you don't have to hide it. I can I see you want to be humble and I, and I appreciate that. But don't apologize for it. Let's just make it happen and and so, you know, that that kind of mindset of of allowing for your clients to, uh, and you said it, celebrate their successes is is a is a good thing, and that's that's one of the that's I love that in our industry is we get to we get to help our clients um, celebrate their this this phase or this this project in, in themselves, and you know they've obviously put a lot of um, time, effort, and energy into into it. Um, let's help them celebrate it and and. Uh, and uh, not apologize for it by any means. Yeah, it's funny. I had Brian Harris, who's a good friend of mine that we're building for. He's a he's a client of ours, and we built before his cosmetic dance. And he always says some people have the uh, the mentality of abundance, and some people have the mentality of scarcity, right? And and where does that go? And 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 there's a lot of value having the mentality of abundance. But you know, as we as we move this along, Casey, because I want to be sensitive to your time, but you you touched on something that I feel it's like that that synergy, right? That transition is you know early on in your career. You're building a business, you're building a reputation, you're at the Prey to Homes 24-7, you know, you're doing everything, but you get to a point in the company where it's like, okay, we're at that, that tough transition and to really grow 
you know, you have to have the right people. And I was speaking, actually, my producer, Greg, of this podcast, you know, he said, it takes a special person to be in construction to manage, right? To manage expectations, manage clients, manage trades. Like it's a really difficult, it's more difficult than people realize the day-to-day that you and I or our superintendents, our project coordinators have. But you mentioned this, you said, I, I, I saw success as my employees, my project managers get to be in the parade. You know, as they touch, you know, and feel through the sales process, through that client, through that client interaction, because the reality is, as you grow as a company, you can't be, you know, for you to grow, you can't do every single task. You have to be able to delegate and you have to empower. And so speak to that because they're not going to have Casey, although you're super involved, they're the real, the realistic, you know, vision of this is you can't be involved in every aspect. And so, you know, how has that evolved over the years, just hiring, training, and allowing them to have more ownership in, in the entire company as well as the process. hundred percent. So Brad, I think the one, it, it's funny because when I, when we first started to reconnect, I would say after our college years and, and whatnot, I actually thought that when you were um, AFT, I actually thought that you were an old, you were, I founded uh, Raycon in 2008 and I think you, was it 2013? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good memory. Well. Yeah. 2013. So I, I actually thought that, um, when we when we met up, I actually thought that your business was older. Like I had started, <laughs> I had started after you had started. Anyway, so that that's that's to your credit. But um, my first, um, I guess one of one of my uh, most fortunate, I'll just call it fortunate, but my, one of my um, biggest blessings of my of my business development is that I my very first hire was was an all-star. He was, he was someone that, that was a go-getter and somebody that I understood that, and I can trust. And I saw that, that person, I, I always had a, this perception in my, in, I don't know if career or just understanding that maybe in the back of my mind that I didn't want to train, if you will, my competition, that whole, that whole concept mm-hmm. of, of, of that. Right. Um, yeah, because so eventually may slow. train them, give them all the secrets, and they may go out on their own. Essentially, is what you're yeah, implying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there, the I was slow to to bring on any help, any uh, any uh, partners or, or you know superintendents or, or project managers or whatnot. So um, when I first when I made the the impression saying, "Hey, I'm getting spread too thin and and whatever, I need help." Um, I hired that first kid and j- I call him kid because it was an intern out of, out of BYU construction management, which we're alumni of, of course. And, and, um, and to see the value that he was giving and, and the care and the ownership, even though he wasn't an owner, but he cared just as much as I did. And it, it, it was, it was very impressive for, for me. It took me by surprise not just somebody that I was having to tell what to do every every give and take and train and do. No, he was going through and and figuring things out without me. And I thought that that was anyway. So it took me a, a while to get to that stage. Now from now fast forward to where, you know, I I had his help and I I've hired on and now we're we're a team. We got we got four project managers. We have an office staff and administration and stuff like that. So we're we're a little bit more established as a business, but um, it's. As a business owner, it uh, whenever I am mentor or, or or talk with with you know with with other business owners, that's one of the first things that I um, that I talk about is that it's to get the trust 
or to be able to trust and delegate responsibilities and roles so that you can be better at the, I wouldn't say more important things, but the, 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 the business development side of things, it allows for, it allows that time. Cause, cause you're right. You're, you you just, there's just not enough time to do everything to ultimately drive a successful business. And so um, that development and evolution of, of where, any new business is starting to ultimately where you're going to be. Uh, we had we have our weekly meetings with our clients, or sorry, with our with our team. We have our team meetings every week, and and we have it slotted in our schedules, and everybody comes. It's just something that we that we that we've established and do. And one of the things that I do is I I uh, assign a, a message for you know, and I just alternate. Anyway, our message of this last week on on Tuesday. Um, was there there's there's a infinite um uh mindset of of how you're gonna uh develop your 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 project or your your success or or whatever or there's a finite you know where there's a beginning and an end um the reality of of this business we're never going to arrive i however so strong and your business can be 100 years old you're never going to arrive and that's the beauty of it and and running and developing and, and and you know establishing a business just because you've been successful in in year 2025 that doesn't necessarily mean you've arrived and and you're going to carry you have to do some things to to mitigate that and so the those those businesses that that have length you know that have a, a lot of time and have really established themselves in the in the industry it's even that much more impressive but um that's that's one of the challenges that we're always going to going to have in front of us going forward, right? Is that we're never going to have arrived to the platform and and this is who we are. It's just where is the direction that we're going and and we get to make that choice. And I love it. That's you, you can't you can't have anything better than that, right? I mean, is to have that liberty and that freedom to uh, to make those choices as a business owner going forward. And so again, I me as a business owner knowing that. I have to have that delegation factor and find those that type of mentality. And you know what? If I have a, a couple of employees that choose to go a different direction uh, for career path purposes, that's okay. And I'm okay with that. It took me a minute to be okay with that, but I'm okay with that. I've had I had a one of my best project managers just left me in uh, just left the company in uh, I think it was uh, June or maybe it was August. Um, because he wanted to go build uh, uh, temples for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's what he wanted to do. I'm never going to be able to build temples. That's not my direction. That's not my business. But in his mind, I want to go build temples. He took took his experiences here, got a job and a position to, to where that I've restaffed. I've re, you know, my business will be fine doing that and establishing that. And so I think that that's a comfort that I've come to understanding that there's going to be a little bit of fluidity within the business, um, I guess, team and the structure that we have, but um, that's okay because our brand and our, our business is, is stable enough to, to recoup that. I love that you share that. I mean, there, there's so much valuable insight that you shared. And I think, I guess, selfishly, one of the advantages of this podcast, right, is I get to speak to people I really admire, such as yourself, Casey. And you know, now in my next production meeting, I get to steal this, this inspirational message, you know, that, you know, but, but the perspective is real when you talk about, is it an infinite, you know, mindset or is it a finite and the reality is in construction. Like it's such a, um, 
you know, we're learning every day. Our processes are better, right? Your Raycon today is much better than Raycon 2008 when you started, right? Every year you're building a better home, a better product, better systems, better people. And I love that you have this confidence that people will come, they'll go, you're going to find great people and they're going to stay. They're going to believe in the culture and what you set. And you've done a great job with that, with the company culture. But at the end of the day, you've built a brand, like you're, you're in it. And so people recognize that, you know, what made you start Raycon? I mean, where did, where does that ambition come from? Why did you start it? Because you started in 2008, which was the most difficult time nationally in our industry, probably ever. I mean, it was just so tough. I mean, just the, why did you start it? Good question. When we, when I was at school, Brad, I was, I was always in the mindset that I was going to be working with, um, with a, a big company, uh, being an employee, kind of working your way up of, uh, corporate America and, and having a, a stable job and stable position. Um, that's what I did at a, at a college. I went and got a, uh, a, a well-paying, uh, job at starting salaries and, and bonuses and everything that came out out of college. And, um, um, I, I, I started down that pathway. Um, I, I went to Florida, worked for just over a year, um, ended up getting recruited. That was in 2007 when it was starting to kind of, you, you could see the direction. I, all my coworkers were getting um, let go or laid off or whatever. And I kept my position, but probably just because I was the youngest and lowest paid at that point. Um, <laughs> but um, I got an offer to come back to Utah. And, and uh, so I was in Florida. I ended up coming back from Utah, which is where I'm from. Uh, to build an apartment complex in in downtown Salt Lake, and um, it was in commercial construction. As as I decided to go that route again, working for a big company, get, getting the benefits and and everything that going forward going that, um, I still find I found myself kind of doing doing everything by myself. I didn't have a little bit. I didn't have the back end support that I was hoping for in a company like that. So I felt like I was doing a lot by myself anyway. Anyway, um, the project ended and um, they didn't love how it ended, nor did I love how I was treated. And anyway, uh, came, push came to shove, I got fired um, in 2007. So December 2007, I get let go and uh, decide to, at that time, um, my background is, is actually um, hands-on general contracting on a lot of levels. Uh, kind of my passion starter was, was uh, finished carpentry. And so um, I had a little bit of side moonlighting projects, uh, just little, I mean, nothing, a couple extra thousand bucks, you know, just to help um, just in my dad's woodworking shop. Um, when I got laid off, I had to um, finish a couple projects. And anyway, people started to pay me for, um, I, I was in the position of, you know, maybe I should go get another, maybe I should get it job. Maybe I should, you know, I can always go get another job or maybe I can make this thing, you know, I didn't, and again, I've never really, my dad was a self-employed and I never really had a lot of uh, desire to, to go this route. Um, he worked his tail off and, and anyway, just for several reasons, we, I just didn't have, have that desire. Um, I started this woodworking slash general contracting business, um, out of a, out of a garage, we'll just call it. And, um, and that's in 2008. Um, I started to be pretty good at, uh, I was a good, I was always a good, uh, carpenter I did, and I had passion for it. And, and so, um, I started to build furniture and sell it and started to do smaller projects here and there and sell it. 
So push came to shove. Honestly, what pushed me to go that route is me a getting fired um, and needing to provide for my family. I needed to make money. I just wasn't really um, sold on on jumping into in that time of the market. Not a lot of people were hiring. I probably could have found a job, you know, but not a lot of people were hiring at that point anyway. So it w- it was actually probably easier for me to sell my services rather than sell myself um, to a, a, a company to go make a, a comfortable living. So, um, so I just kind of started there and it just kind of evolved. I didn't build my first home. Um, we didn't go into under construction until fall of 2010. So it's, uh, there's a, there's a phase of 08 to 2010 didn't finish the home until 2011 that I was a, I was a trade. I was a finished carpenter. I turned in my, my little woodworking shop into a cabinet business. Um, so I established, uh, you know, a, a pretty good reputation with wood, with cabinetry and started doing higher end, uh, cabinetry, which ultimately got me my first house, which a homeowner builder hired my my cabinet uh, finished carpentry business and then i i talked with her and and uh, kind of got my foot in the door and to be able to help build the home as a partnerish type role and then ultimately which got me the next that got me in the parade that got me anyway so it's just kind of a of a of a roller coaster as it as it goes that way but, i love it oh so yeah <laughs> It, it it's always interesting to hear the story because yeah, as you mentioned, I mean it's the refiner's fire. Yeah, you at your lowest point, you start your company, and then, you know, with that, there's a lot of hard work. It's not just maybe some of us that admire you from Instagram or toured the home realize, you know, just the, not only the experience and dedication you've had, including college degree and everything that goes along, but I mean there's a, there's a lot of work to build that over the years, and it's very admirable. And you know, Casey, one thing I'll, I'll plug because I think it's important for people to understand a little bit about your hobbies too. You know, I know you played baseball, you know, calls baseball and, uh, I've golfed with you and it's really makes my golf game embarrassing because you hit it about 10 times farther than I do. So, you know, I don't know how many times I'm about you back golfing because like, it just, I, I remember I'm like, I don't think I've seen anyone hit this green on a par five. And of course, Casey does it like two hits, no, no biggie. But, uh, so, so what do you have upcoming and exciting, you know, for the listeners, you know, to get in touch with you, uh, moving forward? Yeah. So, um, man, I, um, kind of, kind of one of the, I mean, you business wise, we, we have some, some amazing projects going forward. We have the parade of homes that are coming up. Um, that's, that's, uh, um, just something that that's always a celebration for us on a, on an annual basis, just because we know that that's, we kind of schedule our, even we'll even take on schedule our projects and, but we schedule our family vacations around it. And it's just, it's just kind of a part of our culture of what we do as a business. So we're looking forward to that in, in June. If those who are listening to this have interest, um, they can uh, DM me or, or, or whatnot as we, as we get in through the, um, in, in through that, but uh, uvparade.com is, is be, you'll be able to get your tickets um, that, that way. Um, personally, man, I, I am a, um, I will, I would say that I, I am a, um, I'm a fan of sports in general. Um, but there's, there's very little in my, in my hobbies or my life that, uh, that changed the, and to see the success of my two boys, um, uh, out on the baseball field, baseball has been a, a key element in my life. I'm not going to discount that I've from relationships to opportunities presented because of what baseball has offered me, I was able to play four strong years at, at BYU during that. And so we went to and played in some amazing venues and at, and just 
the events and the, or the environment that we were surrounded by down in Tuscaloosa playing Alabama when I was a freshman and beating the number two country team in the country. And I was a freshman catcher doing that. It was, you just can't, you can't replace that type of stuff. So baseball has given a lot to me. And so I coach, I coach my, my little league boys and um, I have a lot of fun with that. And uh, so we, we practice, we, we drive, we, we work and, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of life lessons that come within sports, and and uh, and that's that's something that I that I will um, try to give back um, and and relay on and, and seeing their successes. My two girls, I have a two year old and a and a seven year old, and they're they're getting into their dancing and doing their friends stuff and and whatever. So I'll I'll, I'll forever support them. So, but you know the one thing about this whole uh, business development and and uh, and ultimately, you know, working our tails off to, to, to do what we do is, is, is to provide for our family and to create these experiences that we can, um, live our lives, you know, um, comfortably and, and, um, and have that successes. And, and again, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna preach one way and, and live another. It's, it's, um, celebrate or, or um, not a, un, unapologetically live our life. Um, and uh and we'll go on vacations and we'll we'll work hard and 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 do it we'll do whatever it takes it's it's funny we just got back from a vacation over the uh, over the holiday break and you never work as hard as you 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 work harder to go on vacation than you work twice <laughs> right. as hard to come back from vacation and so it's not good to it's not a, it's actually not easier to go on vacation it's kind of one of those perks that you get to do but it's actually a pain in the butt right yeah so, but it's needed but uh it is needed. It is needed. And, and we enjoy, we enjoy it and we'll always do that. So. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm a hundred percent positive. Those listening, you know, they're, they're going to be inspired by your words, Casey, and you've been a great friend and a great mentor to me and appreciate, you know, just, uh, all you've shared today and in your background. So in closing here, um, and, and one thing I'll say is I agree with the sports, you know, just the, the competitive nature, teamwork, communication, right. There's so many valuable lessons that come from that, you know, even for your daughters and dance and then your son's playing baseball, but you know, for those listening, you know, social media handles, website, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, you bet. So um, we, we take pride in our social media. Um, we don't, we don't. Um, so fo- please give us a follow. If you're a, if you're an AFT fan, hopefully you'll be a Raycon fan. Um, we are uh, through Instagram. It's, it's, it's just Raycon underscore construction. Um, and then you'll find us on Facebook with, with Raycon construction. You'll, you'll see our, uh, we, we do a post on YouTube and whatnot. Um, website is www.rayconconstruction.com. Raycon is spelled with a K. Um, there's, uh, for, for website purposes alone. Um, I spelled my own, uh, name with, with a weird, <laughs> weird wording, but, uh, R-A-Y-K-O-N construction spelled out.com. Um, and that, yeah, you, I'm, I'm all over. I'm pretty easy to find. So, um, easy enough. Well, Casey, you've been amazing. Can't thank you enough for uh, spending time with us today. It's been my pleasure, Brad. Thanks for, thanks for asking and congrats on your success. And I look forward to keeping learning from you, buddy. Likewise. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.